0: Dr. Glenn Sunshine in the his house! Yes, yes, that's why I wore this tie. And that's for Dr. Sunshine. That's for Dr. Sunshine. Hey, guess what? Guess what? We also got Skillet John Cooper yes. coming on. Whoa. No rock out later. Hey, he got a beard now. I'm not. It's, he's, it's... he's reforming. Huh? He's reforming, do oh, He's, he's becoming Presbyterian. <laughs> what and the longer your beard gets, the more Presbyterian you are. <laughs> Notice by James Is White's beard, wrong?
1: he's not that yeah. so we gotta grow. But James what's up. wrong with
0: his beard then? It's growing. My beard? Yeah. No, I I did <laughs> <laughs> I'm Presbyterian. Trust me. Hey, y'all! Welcome to Cross Politics on the Sunday Why are you special. The arguments
1: from working. We don't believe you.
0: <laughs> good to be here with you guys, Pastor Toby Chuck Knox. I'm the water boy, and of course, we got the good old Dr. Glenn Sunshine from the Theology mm, Podcast. God, right there in the house. <laughs> yes, in the house. Yes. Thanks for being in the studio with us. Uh, this
2: is going to be an interesting experience. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're just now figuring that out.
2: <laughs> it's going to be a little different from the podcast. Yeah. <laughs>
1: You've been to the conference, though. You know how we, we get down. We do so. need to
0: get some whiskey going <laughs> on in here. Oh, yeah, na- we okay, Last segment, we'll, 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 we'll work on Third that. Oh, segment. we can't do that because this segment's on NRBTV. So we don't. We, uh, we don't do talk about apple juice. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, uh, real quick, before we kind of get into things, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Tom Price, you know, he's got a Fight, Laugh, Feast University class coming out. called yes. you know, Theology and culture. Yes. You guys can still sign up. It's actually. I'm gonna drop now, start November 5th. We originally was gonna be November 27th. But we're like, we need to move this after the election because people really need that (laughs) theology and culture. Wait, wait.
3: wait. Regardless. (laughs) Battle tactics for the baptized.
0: Which is why we need more club members. So we need battle, uh, baptized. Club members who are ready for the battle. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I see how you turned that. Yeah, I was, I was turning that right into there <laughs> right. and everything. And also, we got a magazine coming out. Our first uh, uh, subscription magazine is going to drop in March, but you, if you sign up, before uh, January first, uh, yearly subscription is only forty bucks. Mm. So, uh, man, make sure you guys get that. I'm excited. Doctor Glenn Sonson is going to be writing for that. I didn't tell you about that. But, Tripology uh, <laughs> yeah, Pastor Toby, a bunch of others, are gonna be writing for that magazine. But the magazine, the goal it sort what of we, waved at you and said, "A bunch of others." <laughs> um, What's that supposed
1: to mean? I don't know. A bunch he, of others. You know, Gabe does some stuff sometimes and then tell us what he's yeah, doing. No, he so yeah. I'm just guessing. Yeah. I'm a bunch of others. A bunch of others.
0: A <laughs> <laughs> bunch of others. Uh, uh, one of the reasons why we wanted to start a magazine is because that's kind of been a lost art. Well, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and and you mean like newspapers, and when you get a blog post, you can just move on, yeah. or or when you're you're trying to argue with your friends, they can just kind of argue with you. But a magazine's kind of hard to argue with. Yeah, you kind of have to read it. <laughs> it just sits there. Staring it sits at there you. just staring at you, yeah. and so you can send it to your liberal your liberal friends and <laughs> your 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 pastor who maybe's going starting to go a little woke. Mm. Or or maybe maybe uh, John Piper who just needs a little more showing up oh. in, on the edges, oh, Uh-oh. Or, or maybe in the center. We don't really? know. Really, just don't know where our Brother John is going. <laughs> Definitely buy a subscription for Timothy Keller. In fact, buy like ten, maybe fifteen, <laughs> maybe twenty for the whole elder all, board. Yeah, right? just the whole just elder board. i a whatever. box.
1: <laughs> just send it to him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that would be awesome if you're getting like twenty subscriptions from twenty different people as gifts. Uh, hey man, there's a message here for you. <laughs> exactly make sure you guys download the app that's where you can get all our best content and everything and don't forget and i already mentioned dr thomas price including class.
3: the theology podcast that dr sunshine's yes. on it's, that's right it's on the app just search yeah. fight laugh feast in your app store download right. it i get notifications of all the new shows coming up also um don't forget about our worldview shotgun series Oh, I like that. I love that. Yeah, I um, forgot about we that. did this a couple of years ago, and and I think we have enough new listeners and people watching yeah. and like yeah. trying to p- figure us out, like where are you coming from and where does this all this come from? Well, we did this the series It's ten episodes um, on the worldview that informs what we're doing, and so if you say, well, I want to know about that, get the worldview shotgun series. Um, if if you're a member, it's in the club portal. Uh, you can also purchase it on the website. Um, it's uh, it's a way to just understand where we're coming from, and also something maybe to send to a pastor or other people who are try. It's it's cross Baltic style, but it's definitely a lot more like, well, we we kind of actually Tripology. wrote we wrote a bunch of stuff yeah, out, yeah. so we made sure we got through some content. So it's like yeah. content rich. Uh, yeah, with Gabe right. trying to read a script. It's really hilarious. <laughs> and, and, I'm so and, so, I'm so and it's bad immediately bad applicable, I'm so too. But it's yeah.
0: immediately it, applicable. practical yeah.
3: theology. Um, th- this, is yeah. Yeah. Um, th- this is where we're coming from. Worldview Shotgun series. Check it out.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned it's in the club portal, but you can also buy it in iTunes and all that stuff. Okay. And everything. Just and to, all that stuff. Yeah. And all that stuff. And all, and all the other people. This is the last show before November 3rd that we're doing. Oh. This is our Sunday special. Oh, yeah. And then November, What's th- November 3rd is- uh, It's my birthday. Oh. Is it your birthday? Really? Yeah, oh, So we're going to do – Toby, Toby Knox don't know this, but we're going to do some live election coverage on November 3rd of that for, night. No, it's live birthday and, coverage. And, and, and we're going to celebrate Toby's birthday. <laughs> I don't think my wife knows this either. Yeah. Uh-oh. Did you coordinate with this with my wife? Mm. We're, we're doing it, okay? Tuesday night, okay? What's wrong with and you the election ball? that we're really going to cover is my Latal County election. Right. <laughs> <That's the laughs> yeah. Are you running are for you, something? You, but if, if we guys can convince you, just – just if there's some listeners out there who are voting for Biden, hopefully this segment will convince you that there's just a little more. I, I think you got it all wrong. You know I don't, what?
3: I don't, think it, I don't think it has anything to do. with Like there's no convincing.
0: What do you mean? I,
1: I'm feeling I mean, the same way. There's, there's no yeah. convincing. Okay. I
0: don't, you, you just think what, what is, what is? I mean, like Warriors. Tony, Tony Balinski, yeah. Yeah. comes out with some, uh, I mean, serious connections here yeah. and mainstream media's not covering it, but let's check this out.
4: A Justice Department official confirmed to Sinclair that back in 2019, the FBI opened up a criminal investigation into Hunter Biden and his associates. 2019. It is focused on allegations of money laundering and remains open and active today. Tony Bobulinski, thank you for joining us from Los Angeles. Separately, Tony Bobulinski, the former business partner of Hunter Biden, who has cited emails, documents and other evidence to allege that former Vice President Biden was more deeply involved in his son's business dealings in China than either man has acknowledged, told Sinclair he was interviewed interviewed by the FBI in Washington on October 23rd, with counsel present for about five hours, with up to six agents in the room at one time. He said the agents carefully examined the digital evidence captured on the three cell phones Bobby Linsky made available, and told him he will be brought back for additional questioning.
5: They do list me as a material witness within the entire FBI on their computer systems, and it was a very cooperative, uh, deep dive into all the facts across that time period. In connection with what were you listed as a material witness? Uh, in connection with the discussion of the Biden family, CFC, and other operations around the world involving other countries.
4: CEFC is the Chinese energy giant, effectively an arm of the government and the Communist Party, with which Hunter Biden pursued a $10 million deal, according to Bobulinski's first-hand account and a wealth of evidence now in the public domain. It was from CEFC, according to a Senate report, that Hunter Biden's law firm, through a company he helped set up, received approximately $5 million in the summer of 2017. Joe, what's that all about? Prior to the final presidential debate in Nashville on October 22nd, that Bob a former Naval Nuclear Command Officer with a Q-level security clearance, now a wealthy corporate investor, first went public with his charges about the Biden family, including his account of two face-to-face meetings with the former vice president. The FBI interviewed Bobby Linsky the very next day. Did you get the sense that the FBI had already been working on these related issues uh, and matters prior to you making that public statement in Nashville?
5: Uh, my impression is everyone in that room was very aware of the sensitivity of the parties involved here and potential multiple impacts to this country vice president biden
4: has denied having any knowledge of his son's overseas business dealings but the authenticity of the digital evidence that Bobulinsky has cited has not been disputed by the biden campaign Mm. the campaign's director of rapid response did not respond to our (laughs) requests for comment (laughs) rapid
3: response ain't being so rapid right now is he He guys guys i mean if this was trump's
0: son yeah yeah Media would be all over this.
3: This would be wall to wall. All over Blood. Yep. Everywhere. You know, if it was Trump's brother involved in a family. I mean, this would be everywhere. This is. Even
0: if it wasn't even, he had any evidence and it was just opinion. No. They would be all over this. Um, This
3: this is CBS 21, which is a a small um, CBS affiliate out of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. (laughs) Okay, this it's is, not even the big dogs. This is not even a national. This is not the national news. This
1: is a a local uh, news syndicate. You know, it's not even if it was Trump's son or daughter or family member. If this was even Trump's, you know, um, Supreme Court pick, if yeah, right. If right. Judge if Kavanaugh. This, if this that's was, a, if remember, it was his barber, if it was his barb, that's exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm not right. even joking. Anybody related to Trump, this would. I mean, what they did to Kavanaugh yeah. uh, at that time when Blasey Ford was out there, yeah. she oh. came out. Oh, yeah. She had. Harley, even the witnesses that she had end up being for. four. Yeah, not <laughs> I like, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I have yeah. no idea. <laughs> I ain't seen this woman. I barely know. We ain't talked in 15 years. Why like, are you here? Why are you here? <laughs> don't drag me in this woman. <laughs> like, that's what, that's
3: what yeah. it turned into. But this is why, this is why they're asking um, Bobulinski. Right. He's on Tucker. Tucker interviews him and asks him, you know, are you shocked that no one's covering this?
6: and and I I just want to affirm for our audience, I I don't think you had any desire to do this interview. Absolutely no desire. Is because nobody else told your story. So were you surprised, given the the trove of documents you have, given the credibility that I I think is apparent that you have, that no other news organization
5: took the time to unpack this story? Um, Surprised is probably uh, an understatement of the year. Shocked, because... Um, It would be different if this was my word against Jim Biden, Hunter Biden, and Joe Biden. Right. That would be a very slippery slope, not something I would take the personal and family risk on it. But I've provided more documents and facts that validate times, meetings, who participated that email to me on May 13th was generated by somebody else sent to me. It wasn't me generating. These text messages that I've provided are Hunter Biden in the first person, Jim Biden in the first person, James Gilliar in the first person, Rob Walker in the first person. It's not me generating the text messages. It's them speaking. So you can interview them. The FBI can interview them. Our government can interview them. But I was shocked that not only the media is not only discussing this, they're going to the other extreme. They're dismissing it as Russian disinformation. This country has heard enough about Russia. We went through three years of every day. Russia, Russia, Russia.
1: I just want to say that. That's true. The, the, the last clip that we played, all the stuff that's being unveiled to us at this point is hap- was happening at the time that Trump was being investigated by the FBI. Right? <laughs> Where's the collusion? Okay, it's, it's
2: Something that's worth noting um I was doing a thing with Chuck Colson at one point, and I commented that the first rule of political attack is to accuse the other side of doing what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. I and Chuck Chuck just sort of shook his head. Uh, he thought about it a second, shook his head, and said, "You know, he's right. Yeah. That's and right. if anybody would know, it would be Chuck Colson. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. But, yeah. but it, th- this is a case in point. They've yeah. been accusing Trump of doing everything that they were doing, mm-hmm. and because there was. Something going on.
1: They figured if they can pin it on Trump, they're not going to get caught. Right. And, and, and looking at this, I can't help but see. First of all, you need to watch the whole 40 minutes from Tucker Carlson. Yeah, the, whole, the whole 40 it's minutes worth is worth your time. And in this, I could look at this guy and I'm like, OK, he has the information. He has the documentation. It seems he is a credible witness. Yep. It seems he is a very credible witness, but we only have one. And it seems he has documents. Well, and this which I say would be almost like a second witness. This this isn't even
3: his, his la- the laptop yet. We're, we we not, haven't we're even not, talked about. We're not laptop. even talking about Hunter Biden's laptop. No, I mean, we know that's out there. That's got a bunch of other stuff on it. But he has text messages from these people. It's not him originating them. He, right. They're emails. From these people, I mean, um, he even he's able to clarify, that he, he's, got, he's communicating with the representative of the Biden
1: family. And, and the, yeah.
6: the Biden family knew that you were going public with this. And you spoke to Rob Walker about it. Again, the, the self-described Biden family representative. And Biden family, the meaning Joe Biden as well. What was his response when you let him know that you were going public with this?
5: Uh... Trying to coach me, (laughs) trying to sort of say, hey, we don't want to do that. We don't want, you know, press trucks out in front of our house. I'm going to have to move. Uh, I could lose my job. Um, And uh, all that, um, you know, I'm not trying to cause any harm to anyone in this situation, let alone Rob Walker and his family, James Gillier and uh, and his family. Um, But basically, Rob's position was if you go on record with all these facts, you'll bury all of us. If he doesn't come out on record. I am uh, providing this, the facts.
6: Tony, you're just going to just you. bury all of us, man. Ooh. What was your response to that?
5: Um, I was focused on pushing these guys to do the right thing, to demonstrate an ounce of integrity in front of the American people. They all know the facts. I live the facts. And luckily for the American people, all the facts are extremely well documented
0: I'm having a little hard of time, like believing him. I mean, he had been working with the dark, you know, Biden family for a long time, and now he's coming out. Yeah, of course. You know, he made a lot of money off them. Oh,
1: he was about and to. Now he's I don't come know out? if he did. I think he was Dude, about to. He's been to.
0: with them what since two thousand. I don't
1: know. If, well, he says that. Like, this is why you need to watch some more of it, if you because okay. I think he says like, "Hey, he's been working hard to try and do some things." Yeah. I think they got ten million that came in from one, and then five million went to the Biden family as a loan yeah. from the Chinese. Uh-huh. Um, so, so, uh, well, I think he's coming out now is because he's the fall guy. I think he saw when they came out and they said, "Hey, this is Russian disinformation." And that was the thing that the senators were pushing. He's yeah. like, wait a second. If it's Russian disinformation, I'm the one leading the company. Yeah, right. If I'm the one leading the company, who are they going to come after and, and take out? Who's going to be the fall guy? Okay. And he calculated really quickly, it's going to be me. And so he said, yeah. I'm going to give you ultimatum. And,
3: and he's going to disappear. Right. And
1: I'm not <laughs> I mean, He's
3: sure going to so get Hillary. Yeah, he's, he's going yeah, he's, he's to disappear. So if, if you don't have any kind of protection, he's got to go public with this in order to have protection. Yeah. I think he needs light on it so that there's a spotlight. Everybody's watching him okay. so that he's... Protected. And it, I,
0: think, I think it's really important to bring in uh, some of the stuff that's been going around with China and the chairman yeah. um, comments and accusations here.
6: You saw a number of reporters say, again, in an effort to bat away your story, your testimony on this, that the chairman referred to in a bunch of these emails was not Joe Biden. It was, in fact, the government of China. When you see people refer to the chairman thinks this, the chairman thinks that. They're talking about China and not Joe Biden. So I want to put up on the screen. Here is a text message you received from Hunter Biden to you. Hey, Tony, I have an idea. In light of the fact that we are an impasse of sorts, and both James's lawyers and my chairman gave an emphatic no, I think we should all meet in Romania on Tuesday next week. So you're hearing reporters say that chairman was, in fact, the Chinese government. Here you have Rob Walker Responding to you, clearly there's some confusion over this, and he's saying, and I'm going to put this on the screen now, when he said, when Hunter Biden said his chairman, he was talking about his dad. Correct.
5: Correct. That's a BlackBerry phone, though. There's two chairmen in the story. <laughs> there's Chairman Yee, who was the chairman of CFC. Yes. In that text from Hunter Biden, he was not tra- talking about the chairman of CFC. And what Hunter's referencing there is he spoke with his father... And his father is giving an emphatic no to the ask that I had, which was putting proper governance in place around Oneida holdings. So Joe Biden is
6: vetoing your plan for putting stricter governance in the company. I mean, and, and it's it's right here yeah, in the emails.
5: Yeah, yeah, Tucker, I want to be very careful in front of the American people. That is not me writing that. That is not me claiming that. That is Hunter Biden writing on his own phone, typing in that I spoke with my chairman, referencing his father. If the world thinks that that my chairman is not his father, then Hunter Biden would come forward and go on record and state to the world.
6: But you have the Biden family representatives, Rob Walker, saying right here, May 19th, no, when he said his chairman, he was talking about his dad. Exactly.
5: Exactly.
1: First of all, I can't, it's hard. Oh I, I, my this, goodness. this is crazy, but Gabe, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. It's hard to trust a man that's using a Blackberry, first of all. It is a <laughs> little, yeah. little difficult. But, but. But, he, but he's, he's
3: the, he's being called, he's not just, not, a, the the accusation is, is he, you know, is he aware of his son's business dealings? Right, right. According to his own son and according to the family lawyer, Rob Walker, he's some kind of chairman of the Biden family business yeah. and is vetoing Requests that Bobulinski had right. about um, how to d- how to the run board, the company, the Oneida Corporation, or whatever right. it's called.
1: Right. Um, but this isn't this isn't it wasn't just Joe. No. John Kerry knew too, and John Kerry at the time, I uh, well, uh, can't remember his position. Oh, he was Secretary, he was a State. secretary. secretary yeah. of State. Secretary yeah. of State. He was briefed on this. This there's a document out there that is uh, I can't remember, uh, but Senator Ron Johnson and Chairman um, uh, Chuck Grassley created. Yep. If you yep. just just Google. Um, Grassley, Johnson, (laughs) Hunter, and the document will come up. But it's a committee that came together to follow all of the money – that it that had been taking place. It's like an
3: 85 page it's, report. It's
1: 85 pages. Really, all you need to read. I mean, you should read all of it. Actually, the first page gives you kind of the sub, and then the last page. And then the last page. Yeah. Per, I mean, honestly. <laughs> the, you, sum, you, the summary you, of it is. I mean, per, and then you,
3: if you want to, you want to check it. You can go into the into the meat of it and check the details of it. But, but it's.
1: But John Kerry knew too. John uh, Kerry was brief about Hunter Biden's business dealings, and yeah. then when they were asked, I think it was back in 2014, 15, he was asked about it. He said, "No, I have no idea. Absolutely nothing. No." Right. Uh, uh, this the fact that we're not hearing more about b- this I don't even know which department should have this right now I don't trust the FBI right. FBI actually had a chance to get Hunter Biden's computer ahead of time they didn't the first time the shop well, they, turned it they in opened an investigation in right? 2019 and then they came back and then took the laptop after Trump was oh. getting impeached so <laughs> I don't I, I want somebody well, yeah, where
3: was the, I mean seriously n- they're investigating Trump Russian collusion things. Right? For how many years of his presidency? Yeah, And, yeah.
0: They, and they won't take up the laptop and, first. First, and go then around. they've
1: got this laptop and all this Biden family. It, they insanity. had the Biden family information that's right. been there. This has been going on since 2014. They were aware of this right. stuff. Yeah. So I, I don't know, the DOJ who's supposed to have this. I blame Twitter.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> have you Have you been following much of this, Glenn?
2: I've been. I haven't followed all the details, but it's. The thing that I find probably most disturbing about it is actually our media. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. That, that's the, that's the thing that really kind of drives me crazy. I mean, I'm a historian. I'm used to g- corruption in government. Yeah, Welcome to the history of the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. This this isn't anything new. It's yeah. disappointing, but it's it's not new. But we have a media out there that makes all these claims of objectivity and everything else. that, And they've got special privileges under the Constitution, you know, the freedom of the press, all of these right. kinds of things, which they claim for themselves but not other people, by the way. Right, yeah, and, right. And they're doing nothing with this, right? Yeah. right? That's the thing that, that just drives me absolutely crazy.
3: This is why it's really fascinating to watch Cruz go after Jack Dorsey, CEO <laughs> of Twitter, That's right. this last week.
7: Two weeks ago, Twitter made the unilateral decision to censor the New York Post in a series of two blockbuster articles, both alleging evidence of corruption against Joe Biden, the first concerning Ukraine, the second concerning communist China. And Twitter made the decision, number one, to prevent users, any user, from sharing those stories. And number two, you went even further and blocked the New York Post from sharing on Twitter its own reporting why did twitter make the decision to censor the new york post uh
8: we had a hack materials policy um that when was that policy adopted uh in 2018 i believe in 2018 go ahead what was what, what was the policy so the policy is around um limiting the spread of materials uh that are hacked um we didn't want twitter to be a distributor for hack materials um we found that the new york post because it showed the direct materials screenshots of the direct materials and it was unclear how those were attained that it felt that it fell under this policy now
7: so in your view if it's unclear the source of of a document in this instance the new york post documented what it said the source was which it said it was a uh, a laptop owned by hunter biden that had been turned into a repair store so they weren't hiding what they claimed to be the source is it our, is it your position that twitter when you can't tell the source blocks blocks press
8: stories no not at all um we our, our team made a fast decision uh the enforcement action however of blocking urls both in tweets and uh in dm in direct messages we believe was incorrect and we changed it today right right
7: now, the new york post is still blocked from tweeting two weeks later yes they have to
8: log into their account which they can do at this minute delete the original tweet which fell under our original enforcement actions and they can tweet the exact same material from the exact same article and it would go through
7: and- so mr dorsey your ability is you have the power to force a media outlet. and let's be clear the new york post isn't just some random guy Tweeting. The New York Post has the fourth highest circulation of any newspaper in America. Oh. The New York Post is over two hundred years old. The New York Post was founded by Alexander Hamilton. And your position is that that you can sit in Silicon Valley and demand of the media that you can tell them what stories they can publish, and you can tell the American people what reporting they can hear. Is that right?
8: <laughs> no. This was this was a you know every person every account. Uh, every uh, organization that signs up to Twitter agrees to a terms of service. A terms of service. is So public. media
7: outlets must genuflect and obey your dictates if they wish to be able to communicate with readers. Is that right? No,
8: not at all. We, you know, we we recognize an error in this policy and specifically the enforcement. You're still blocking their
7: posts. You're We're still blocking their posts right now, today. You're blocking their posts. We're not blocking the posts. Anyone can tweet. And the New York Post uh, post on their t- on their Twitter account. If they go into their account. No is your answer agree. to that. No. <laughs> Unless they can reflect and agree with your dictates. Do you want to go to war? Because we could go to war. I'm for real. For,
3: first of I'm all, first real. of all, for the record, I want to clarify that Jack Dorsey's beard is not a Presbyterian beard. No. That is not no, Presbyterian that's,
1: at all. Uh, no, 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 that's, no it's not. <laughs> not in any way, just, actually. Just, just want to clarify yeah. that. And, and. And man, Cruz what? I don't, went, I don't know this dude. Do you
5: know? So
1: Gabe and I had a chance to interview him back in two thousand fifteen. Yeah, two thousand fifteen. And the guy that we interviewed... During the then, presidential did, during the presidential race and when we interviewed him then he was more like a kitten. Was he? He had some claws and he could scratch. <laughs> he a full lion right now.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I don't know this Cruz.
0: Yeah. He
1: didn't. Something happened. He's Cru- becoming. Uh, he's Cruz, becoming
0: Presbyterian. With Cruz
1: tweets just
3: after this, just after this hearing, this on- online hearing. Um, on October 28th, he tweets what Jack told the Senate under oath is false. I just tried to tweet the New York Post story alleging Biden's CCP corruption. It's still blocked. Um, that he, he, and then, and then an hour later, it had changed. So, and and he and and, uh, and Cruz it. could actually share the article. Um, but right after the interview, it was actually still not true.
1: So they they no. they're, they're working on fixing the whole thing.
3: Yeah, this this thing now, Remember, the key thing here is, is whether they're being protected by the government or not from, um, from lawsuits. Right. That, that's the deal. Are they to be treated like a publisher, like a publishing company, like, like a magazine, like a, like a newspaper, where they're liable for what's published because they're editing and so on, in which case they can be sued and it can be taken mm-hmm. up in court? Um, or are they more like a telephone company? Are they like right. AT&T? Are they like yeah. Verizon? Um, in which case, you know, Verizon is not held liable for everything that's said yeah. on the platform. I,
1: I think we have a different kind of platform. Right. I think we have a different kind of platform. We've got to figure out how, what to but, do with it. But we, we don't want the government running Twitter. <laughs> that's what I'm afraid but, of.
3: No, I know. Yeah, we got to be that's careful. Like, what, what the government's job, though, is to provide equal weights and measures. Sure. And that's the, that's the key thing here that Christians need to be thinking. It is their job to provide equal weights and measures. So that we know what a thing is. Yeah. So is a Twitter platform, uh, Facebook, is it the same thing as a phone company? Well, to this point, they've been protected like a phone company is protected from lawsuits. Cruz and other people are saying, wait a second, you're doing a lot of editing here Yeah. Um, of your content. If you're doing that, you're more like a newspaper. You should not be protected like a phone company. Yeah. And, and that doesn't mean then... Twitter just gets um, shut down, or they should be run by the government. Right. It just means that now things now, when there's cases like this, an individual or a company can sue Twitter, and then a judge adjudicates.
1: Well, and usually what happens is it the individual who publishes the story they should actually be the one responsible for it. Oh, yeah. But right. what's going to happen is they don't have big enough pockets, so, so,
4: so enough we got to gotta rework yeah. a whole
1: system uh-huh. just to be able to actually pass real judgment. Yeah. All right, there's there's more with Ted Cruz. We're not gonna we're gonna be able to do that right now. But what we're gonna do is go ahead and take a break. When we come back. What happened? What'd you play? Huh? Did you play something? No. Don't you play stuff while I'm trying to end the show, wrap it up? <laughs> this is for real. <laughs> John Cooper from Skillet is coming up next, coming and up. we're we're gonna finish out the show with the good Doctor Sunshine slaying Leviathan. We want to talk about There's that too. New book, Ooh, more cross politics coming out on my birthday. Coming up next, is there anything else coming on November third? Huh? No,
6: just our book, book, and my birthday. That's it. It's a land. Trump's
0: free election
6: <laughs> Hi, I'm Robert Borton, CEO of Classical Conversations. Our most precious commodity is time. No one has ever lied on their deathbed wishing they had spent more time making money. They all wish they had spent more time creating a legacy. Our modern education system steals that legacy, steals that time from our children. That's why I'm passionate about homeschooling. That's why at Classical Conversations, we want to give you more time to create that legacy, follow your passions, and glorify God. Visit classicalconversations.com
1: for more information. I don't even know
3: where I am. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> this is Just not- go with it, baby. Just okay. go with it. Hey, welcome back to Cross Politic on the one and only Fight Laugh Feast Network. This yes. segment is brought to you by. I got nothing for you. Gabe getting pulled over last night.
0: Hey, whoa, whoa. You got to bring that up on the air? <laughs> no, we're not.
3: <laughs> I was in Cell
0: Block 4 last I, month, and you know, already like talking
3: about that. I, I don't even know what's going on. All right. Hey, with us on the line right now, we got Mr. John Cooper. He's the lead vocalist, bassist, songwriter, producer, everything, basically. For Skillet, one of the best-selling rock bands of the 21st
1: century. Seriously.
3: Two-time Grammy Award-nominated, 12-time Platinum Band, was recently invited into Pandora's Billionaire Club.
1: Whoa. I think, I think
3: we're about to get invited into there, too, pretty soon. Yeah. And, um, mm. He's garnering two billion streams received a pair of grammy award nods wow. sold over 12 million albums worldwide taking home a billboard music award and more the breakout single monster remains one of the most streamed rock songs of all time Wow, 285 million global audio streams between selling out arenas and four continents cooper has found time to launch his own podcast cooper stuff yes podcast a beard care line with hawk and hatchet available okay. at macy's Partner with Z2 Comics. Great I'm sorry, I got to
0: interrupt you there. I just never thought John Cooper would be selling beard oil. I just, I, mean, I just, I can't get over that. I can't get past that beard oil. What about
3: a graphic novels? Yeah, can you well, get past that? No, no, that's kind of that's kind of punk rock. Their yeah. uh, tenth full length <laughs> project, Victorious, released via Atlantic Records in August. Uh, John, thanks for joining us on Cross Politic.
9: What is up? It's so cool to be here, you guys. Thank. I, I think I see a couple, a few people that need some John Cooper beard oil <laughs> right <here.
0: laughs> <laughs> that, no. that that's right. So whoa whoa wait. So- whoa whoa whoa.
1: What you trying to say, John? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you don't insult a black man's beard, man. Oh, okay. okay no,
9: no, I don't mean that you need it. What I oh. mean oh. is it would make me honored if you'd use it because oh. me and Chocolate Knox look like the same person except for the color of our skin.
1: <laughs> hey, John, I just want you to know I never saw the color of your skin, so I don't know why you need to see I, I like mine like all of a sudden.
9: Say, don't be cl- don't be colorblind theology.
3: <laughs> 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 <Colorblind laughs> uh, um, well, um, so this is a, a political show, so one of the things that we're most concerned about is how uh, how long have you sold beard oil
9: (laughs) yeah about probably about two years ago uh you know it was was just kind of a thing that happened it was that's a long story you don't want to hear but man (laughs) my beard oil smells amazing because you know know, most beard oil smells like trees you know it's like and and pine cones and i was like i need a beard oil that smells good. That my lady's gonna like. See, so I, I see. Like, 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 like leather, preaching. like leather.
1: Preach, preacher.
9: Hey, no, so- not like leather. Like like nighttime. You know what I'm saying? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh oh. My, my beard oil smells. It, it's, it's date red. night
3: beard oil. So it's like kind of Song of Songs <laughs> see, action going on there. Is that what you're saying?
9: Is, <laughs> I, I definitely think the Song of Solomon would It would. Would approve. Have okay. you
3: thought about offering your beard oil to Jack Dorsey?
0: oh
9: <laughs> no i haven't
0: would, would you offer you, him some jesus oh amen <laughs> amen you've never been asked that question before huh <laughs> uh, no
9: I, I i i i know who you guys are so i've been watching so i'm, I'm assuming i'm gonna hear a few questions i haven't heard before. <laughs> <laughs> well here, here's where
1: i want to start at john i didn't know that you were in kenosha and so that yeah. whole situation that went down there, you were boots on the ground. And I happened to watch a little video where you said you were strapping on your AR-15 to protect your home?
9: Uh, yeah. Well, thankfully, I didn't have to protect my home, but I was ready to do. Yeah. It was crazy. Three, three blocks that way is where the entire city got torn up, mm. burned down. Three, two people were killed three blocks from my house.
5: Wow. And
9: we started getting all these Facebook messages from Friends in other states saying, "Hey, I, I, I saw, I've seen these messages come up where people are saying we are headed to Kenosha. Uh, not to offend anybody, but they say we're going to f that place up." And they were listing, yeah. they were listing neighborhoods they were coming to, to you know, f up. Wow. And my neighborhood was on there, mm. and it was pretty dangerous. And I stayed up all, uh, nearly all night long, watching out the window with with what I needed. And and they all marched right by my house. Um, I have it on video. Wow. And Thankfully, nothing happened, but it was a, that was a scary time. It was a very very unusual year. What? So does that
0: mean you're voting for Trump?
9: <laughs> wow. Oh gosh, I never I never say who I'm voting for, but I am conservative, and I am passionate about uh, Bible and politics. I guess you would say, to quote a Wayne Gruden book, um, I am passionate about those things.
1: Here, so going back to Kenosha. The part that kind of shocked me was that with all the police that you guys have in your community, you guys still had to set up your own roadblocks to make sure that the people in the community were actually the ones who were coming through your community?
9: It it was weird. Yeah, and one of my pastors actually, uh, one of my elders uh, in his neighborhood, they absolutely had to do that. They had uh, neighborhood militia. I mean, this is crazy stuff. Neighborhood militia with flashlights and and a lot of them were retired veterans and all sorts of stuff um making sure people coming in because the, the there just was there wasn't enough police that and hands were tied there wasn't enough people it was a, wow. a a pretty scary few days to be honest
1: what do you mean by hands were tied
9: maybe i shouldn't say hands tied um uh We just didn't have near enough police here. Maybe that's the way to say it. And I know that at the time Trump had said, hey, we we want remember when Trump kept saying all these all these governors or mayors have to do is get on the phone. And within a few hours, it'll be stopped. We'll send in the guard. We'll send in whatever. And our our governor just said, no, we don't want that. So we just didn't have enough cops. And this place is being torn up, burned down, uh, looted. Um. It, it, it was it was really a sad thing.
1: How is, how is it rebounding right now? Because I saw some videos the other day that a lot of the places still seem like that they were cars are still on lots that are burnt up. What is happening right now? How is Kenosha being built back up?
9: Well, I will say this. Uh, it, probably one of the truest things I have ever heard a politician say ever was. All those governors have to do is give us a call and within three hours it'll be changed. Mm. That is true because wow. from, the, from the time that the governor requested help, within 12 hours, it, it was done. Wow, I mean, wow. done. Yeah. No yeah. more violence, no more burning, no mm. more looting. It, I mean, they came in and cleaned house, honestly. And from that day on, it's been extremely safe. It's been back to what Kenosha feels like. So now it's the cleanup. You know, people are cleaning up. People are raising money for different things. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, that part is is good.
0: Was the was the rioters largely bust in?
9: I don't really know. Everybody has a different opinion on that. To be honest, from what I can see, I don't know. I don't know if I want to say bust in, but certainly from out of town because there was, I believe they made 170 arrests, and I believe that 100 of them. We're from outside of Kenosha, oh my and from forty <laughs> different cities. So we had people from Minneapolis, we had people from up north in Michigan, yeah. people from the East Coast. So and there were buses coming in from Portland. Yeah, so to, bring food, to bring food to bring food to the, the riders. John, John,
3: what yeah. did, so? What did you learn about our culture going through what
9: happened in Kenosha this summer? I learned that a lot of Christians don't read their Bibles anymore. <laughs> Ooh, oh, <laughs> message. That's one of the things I read. Uh, I, I, I'm like, uh, I, 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 I cannot believe that Christians have, they've gotten so confused about what the role of government even is yeah. under some kind of weird banner of relativistic love thy neighbor yeah. that, that they just think that it's just okay to start burning stuff down or that we shouldn't say anything about it because it's not nice. I'm like, yeah, we should say something about it. The role of government is here to be an, an, an avenger of wrath against the evildoer, to promote justice, mm-hmm. and I, I do not understand how you guys are comfortable with this. And mm-hmm. that was that was kind of a brutal time. I, I will tell you this, somebody that I've known for 25 years, I've gone to church with for 25 years, been over at my house, int- helped introduce me to my wife. I've had her and her kid at my house. Um, Uh, I had posted a social media thing during those riots. Yeah. I'd gotten a little bit oppressed because I was saying I was outspoken about it. And under one of the posts where somebody said, hey, I'm praying for John and his family tonight. Somebody I've known for 25 years that I go to church with posted under there and said, you know what? My prayers are going to be with the people who actually need it, not rich white people. Oh, oh. I have known this person for 25 wow. years. We've been friends and siblings in Christ. Mm, wow. And I'm like, dude, what is the, the deal? What is going on? Have you really bought into that so much? Have you bought into critical race and all this up to such a degree that you think my kids don't matter now? That anybody's kids don't matter. Wow. This is mm-hmm. twisted stuff. And now we see this not just with that, but we see it with uh, the uh, the abortion arguments yeah. about... Uh, whatever it is, yeah. uh, everything right. is changing because we do not have a foundational Christian worldview any longer. We just yeah. throw out terms and we try to make it all work.
3: Maybe this maybe this is all, maybe already answering my, my follow-up question, but I was thinking, like, why are so many Christians going liberal? I mean, maybe in particular a lot of the high-profile Christians – um, yeah. Maybe in
0: music, arts, movies, whatever. But I mean, but wh- I mean, I'm thinking like Tim Keller, or J.D. Greer, you know, some of these. But, but
3: you know, but acro- acro- across the board, <laughs> anybody else you want to name, John? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you just name drop? You to pick that I up? I got
1: Dave? some more. Well, I okay. mean, I'll but, bring them out. But, you know? but why
9: are so many Christians going liberal? I I really do think it's a misunderstanding of of what the role of government is, and obviously that's going to come back to authority of Scripture. But mm-hmm. that is the reason why I like what you guys do is that. A lot of people think that you should never talk about politics and Christianity because yep. they don't understand that all of this is becoming so intertwined because of such a worldview shift from when I was growing up from you know a hedonistic— it was hedonism. It was sex, yeah. drugs, rock and roll. Uh-huh. Now we're under humanism. Now we are under um, uh, a worldview of people who hate Christ, mm-hmm. but they think they are more virtuous than Christ. Yeah. And so Christians who don't understand that worldview— I just think they're really confused. I think some of them are deceived because they do go, well, I'm supposed to love people, so that means I can't speak out about truth and yada yada because they don't understand what love is and justice. And Some of them are just deceived and confused. Some of them I do think are afraid. I think it's a fear of man mm-hmm. situation. Certainly. Like even, even in my business, there are almost no Christian music artists who will actually speak out into in culture. No. The, the only ones that speak out are on the left side they're yeah. on the liberal side <clears throat> yeah. they're they're woke and because you you get you know you get the praise of men when you do that but it costs you something to stand up on on the authority of scripture even in Christendom yeah. which yeah. is bizarre yeah, right. that's yeah.
0: exactly right john what what happened to you when did, when did you uh kind of wake up uh and you know <laughs>
9: i did not know what you meant like, what happened to you what, well, well besides
0: you're like you don't have that smooth chin anymore what happened to you <laughs>
9: It's down there somewhere. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you my little story real quick. Please. And it will kind of also be kind of a promotion for a book that I wrote. It'll all be together. All right. I became a Christian at five years old. Thank the Lord and his grace that I, I never had that crazy backsliding period. Mm-hmm. I am a simple kind of guy, to be honest with you. I love Jesus, and I just b- believe the word of God, typically. and um, <laughs> And then... 2011, 2012, I started being like, what is going on? I, yeah. I didn't understand culture. I didn't understand. I had friends that I'd been Christian um, friends with for Christian friends for 10 years, Yeah. all of a sudden say things. And I, I remember saying to one of my friends, I was like, what'd you just say? And he said it again. And I said, bro that doesn't sound like Christianity to me. That sounds like universalism. (laughs) What do you mean? I'm like, are you saying saying that you don't believe that God punishes wicked people for eternity? He's like, well, yeah, God is love. And I was like, what in the heck is going on? And then I started noticing this more and more. And so basically... In 2013, you know, you had like Ferguson, you had all these things happening. And I started seeing the BLM movement and friends of mine uh, posting stuff on social media that I'm like, why are you? I don't understand. I started really studying and and I jumped. I had dived into not just theology, but but apologetics, culture, philosophy. Mm -hmm. It took me three years. I'm embarrassed to say, but I'll say it anyway. It took me three years to finally diagnose the problem. Your listeners might make fun of me, but there might be simple people out there that'll be encouraged about this. In three years, I finally went. Oh my gosh, I had no idea that people would ever actually believe postmodernism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I just I studied postmodernism in college. Mm-hmm. I thought it was so dumb; no one would ever believe it. It makes great <laughs> films, yeah. like the main right. difference. Yeah, it makes great movies. I didn't know anybody would would live a life not believing that there is such thing as absolute truth, and now I've seen how that wormed its way into the church in in relativism and I like Jesus but I don't really love the Bible. Yeah. And and I'm and I remember talking to a Christian artist who I won't say and they were like, no, oh, I'm totally into Jesus. I just don't think that all the words of the Bible are, are right. And right. I was like, Bro, <laughs> <laughs> there's no such thing as liking Jesus but not his words. Right. Yeah. That's into the, the discussion, brother. Yeah. And so I just decided, you know what, it might cost me something. Um, To tell you the truth, it doesn't cost me that much because if I can just be honest, I've already sold 12 million records. I've already yeah. come on now, <laughs> music, but I'm like, you know what? If it costs me my career, this is more important than a music career. Amen. Uh, we are Amen. literally living in a time when I believe people are falling away from faith because there aren't enough people willing to pull out a sword, you well, know, pull out mm. a sword and make a dividing line for Christ. And I just said, fine, I'll just I'll, I'll be on that team. And thankfully, once I did, I started having all these great relationships and finding people like Cross CrossPolitik and Stop my it. friend James White. and <laughs> Just and thinking like, in those oh guys. Gosh, yeah. There are people fighting for this. I just didn't I didn't really know it before. Yeah. I got to say
1: this, man, like this is so refreshing. Actually, it's been refreshing for a long time since you wrote the article talking about some of the Christians that were falling away that we've known and. Um, And it's interesting because one of the things that I've always hated, especially coming from the kind of the punk rock, hip hop movement, is people's music that is really hard, but then they soft. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. They're so hard. They act hard. They say all these hard things in the music. And then when it comes time to actually stand up and be a voice out there, they all soft. They always talk about my block and my guys and I'll stand alone if I got to and take all y'all. And then when it comes time to do that, they running help. Yeah, help you know and and so that's totally true God,
3: god's just love
1: right and so when i've seen someone like your that's interviews really and i've watched you get out there and just say it and without any back anybody backing you up and you yeah. stand up there and say it how it is and preach it i'm like okay see he's matching the consistency of his music so and it's so good to see that. It's so refreshing brother so thank you for that you, you said something about your book I, what was the book
0: awake and alive to truth finding truth in the chaos of a relativistic world hey it's coming out you know it yeah I, uh, real quick before we go right now i follow john <laughs> and, and oh I, I followed him before he had that beard and it's bothering me <laughs> <laughs> It's because it's, it's bigger than your beard man I, it is uh, it
1: is I, I don't think there's any doubt right now that the church is under clear attack whenever we got a situation right now where uh, churches have all decided to collapse and not actually go and worship their lord together that that's that's a problem, and as you're seeing this and what's happening right now with the shutdowns and everything that's going on, how are you looking at this, and how do you encourage the church to say, don't don't forget, worship is essential and important yeah. to actually changing the situation that we're in. How where are you at on this right now?
9: Oh, amen, amen, amen. I love that, and and throughout the book uh, that that you just mentioned, I, I do talk a lot. It, it's for simple people, all right. It's theology for it's simple for me. people, but. It is giving a lot of the different worldviews that that we are being bombarded with right now. And and maybe this is an interesting thing. I was talking to my pastor about it recently, and they were talking about everybody is so divided. Everything is so polarized. But I was like, here's the deal. I'm not actually being polarizing. I'm mm-hmm. saying the That's same right. thing that That's Christians right. have been saying for a couple of centuries. Right, yeah. You're the normal guy in the room. Yeah. Cross-politic isn't saying something new. You're saying right. something old. Right. It's old wisdom right. that never changes. Right. And all this new stuff about, you know, even last week, not to be rude to people, I got lots of love, but even last week, um, we, we see this article come out that says: hey, in terms of the effect on the world, um, the effects of abortion kill just as much as it's like people's boastfulness. Right. When we saw. Right, right. right. like oh, I didn't like,
0: see that. This wow.
9: makes absolutely no sense. You're saying something new. So for me to come out against it doesn't make me polarizing. You're the one being polarized. Come on now. Come so on. Now. I think what I want to say is for all the people that think they can get woke uh, on my podcast, I always call it. They want woke cookies. You know what I mean? They, they <laughs> no. want the reward. They want the pat on the back from the world. They think they're going to get woke by saying, hey, don't open churches. We need to meet people halfway. You're not going to get your cookies. At some point, it is going to come to a head, and they are not going to be on your side. So why not take a stand now rather than have to wait until you try to meet them halfway, and then eventually—they're coming after you whether you like it or not. They're coming after your freedom of speech. They're coming after your freedom of assembly. They're coming after your freedom— to say what you believe about Christ, because if you preach Christ, you are not being very tolerant to lots of people in 2020, right? That's right. right? Yeah, that's They're right. coming after you either way. So I want to encourage Christians: yes, in love, but we are not the ones being—we are not the ones <laughs> being polarizing just by saying what the church has consistently believed for centuries. I remember. Yes, so, the church is essential. I remember. Seeing,
3: I remember seeing that. I think there was. I think it was the church in Kenosha, actually, that had Black Lives Matter. On their yes. on their placard, and it got yeah, burned.
9: Burning. It got burned down. Yeah. So, you know, like <laughs> wow, a, a lot of good that did. Um, if, there, if there's ever a if there is ever a picture to capture, you don't even need a caption. Just no. uh, You know, and what do you think's going on, John? Here yeah. it is. Yeah. There's a church burning with a Black Lives Matter sign. Yeah. <laughs> nope. yeah, that's, that that's hilarious. Gonna. So, what you need to do is put on skillet
1: and fight on. Yeah, get your sword out. <laughs> then, you. Hey, John, thank you so much for joining us, man. We'll be praying for you. Keep fighting up there, brother. Uh, His book comes out in December. December. A Christmas Christmas book. Okay, get ready. ready. Go get it. More cross politics coming up next.
10: When a medical need arises, hundreds of thousands of Christians across the nation care for one another by sharing financially for those medical needs. Samaritan members pray and reflect God's love and care by providing for one another. While times continue to change, God's love doesn't he cares for us as we are called to care for one another
1: you were talking go ahead
10: <laughs> forget it
0: forget about it forget about it hey tony uh, tony tony babaluski
3: hey welcome back to cross politic on the fight Live feast network man i'm excited about john cooper He's, yes. he's 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 ready Bro. for a fight.
0: Yes,
1: he's ready for a fight. He's got the right music for it. That's for sure. He
0: does <laughs> hey,
3: welcome back, Doctor Glenn Sunshine in the yes. house. Yes, we love it when we get guests in the studio with us. So grateful to have you and. Mrs. Sunshine, she's back there behind the cameras, (laughs) she's listening in, and of course, producer Neil, who's still single, ladies. Still single, ladies, Mm -hmm. so you know.
0: Um, I feel God right there. (laughs) Dr.
3: Glenn Sunshine is professor of history at Central Connecticut State University and a senior faculty member of the Colson Fellows, because they don't know that he's been on Cross Politics yet. (laughs) An (laughs) award-winning author, Glenn has written about history, theology, culture, online, and both sides of the Atlantic. His book, Why You Think the Way You Do, the story of Western worldviews from Rome. To home. It's a good book. In 2009. Also, he's received the 2006 Acton Institute Book Grant, and he is the the author of the brand new book, Slaying Hold Leviathan, it
0: up. Hold it up. which
3: is coming out in honor of my birthday. Uh, November 3rd. On Tuesday. Yep. Is that why you did that? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Right <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, don't forget that Dr. Sunshine was at the first Fight Laugh Feast yes, conference, yes. gave I one of it. the outstanding talks there, and just hung out Partied with us. And um, if
0: you aren't a club member, become a club member. It's in the portal. Get access to in the, portal. Talk, talk, in the portal. His talk was fantastic.: uh, It
3: was uh, fantastic. So Slaying Leviathan, um, first off, thanks for, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for rolling with us. I'm glad to be here. You knew us, and you still came on the show. That means a lot, man. <laughs> I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> You're not afraid. He's ready to rumble. Um, so um, tell us about Slaying Leviathan.
2: Okay, well, Leviathan, just the title, Leviathan was a book published by Thomas Hobbes, and it was a defense of absolutist government. Mm. And the thing is, the Christian tradition going all the way back to the second century has always been about limited government. It was always about trying to work out what belongs to Caesar and what belongs to God. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that there are a lot of different strands that developed Uh, over the years on what this is supposed to look like, how you limit government, what you can do when government oversteps, all that kind of thing. And it all really got synthesized together by John Locke. Mm -hmm. And then from there came to the American colonies, influences the Declaration of Independence, and with a little extra shot from the Christian tradition, the Constitution. Right. So those are the themes I'm tracing out. What yeah. are all these different strands that, that get woven together for this? Right,
3: and arguably that theme of of limited government actually goes back to Moses and you know back to Genesis. I mean, there's there's strains of limiting civil government and delineating jif- different jurisdictions going deep into the, even the Jewish tradition.
2: Oh sure, yeah, and the you know when you go back into the Old Testament, the first, arguably the first uh, attempt at absolutist government is Babel. Right.
1: Mm. Right. Yeah, and, that's right.
2: and so, this is all, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it from the lens of the Christian tradition because that's the one that most directly affects us, but it, it's got deep roots in the Old Testament. I mean, the entire idea of contract theory of government mm-hmm. comes to us as a secularized version of Calvin, who's talking about covenant government, right. who got it from Moses. Right. <laughs> you know, oh, uh, when God Himself sets up a government in Israel, right. He asks them three times, "Will you accept the terms of this covenant?" Mm-hmm. They agree three times. Then it's set up. So God set the government up as a covenant, and he set it up with the consent of the governed. Yeah. Calvin said, if God does that, that's how we need to do it too. We don't have the right to overstep the boundaries that God himself set for his own government. Amen. Wow. So,
0: so you said you said earlier preach, that preach we're kind of trying to figure out what belongs to God and what belongs to Caesar? Yeah. That sounds a little too kingdom me. to me. Well, yeah, there's a reason for that. Okay. Um,
2: <laughs> you know, when when... When,
3: you know, it's because your beard's not long enough yet, Gabe.
0: Ah, man. Yeah,
2: you know, obviously <laughs> the 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 question you know came up about paying taxes to Caesar. Right. And what Jesus said was, you know, show me the coin whose image is on it. Right. By the way, that's a reference to the second commandment. Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. That's right. Yeah. Whose image is on it? You guys shouldn't be worshiping this in the first place. But number two, right? Um, it's Caesar's image. Give to Caesar what's Caesar's. There are things that legitimately belong to Caesar. Right. But not everything does. You've got to give to God what's God's. Ugh. And so Caesar has a legitimate claim. The government has a legitimate claim on some things from us, but there are things that the government can't touch. Right. Mm-hmm. And actually, like I said, the rest of the Christian tradition is trying to figure out exactly where those boundary lines are. And, and,
3: and I would say um, those boundary lines are established by God. Right. Fundamentally. Not by Caesar. Ultimately,
1: God gets to define what Caesar has. Yes. God
3: (laughs) gets to define where those things are and not
2: Caesar. Right. But one of the interesting things about scripture is that this was pointed out by Rodney Stark in a book called The Victory of Reason. Yeah. Scripture doesn't answer directly a lot of the questions that we have, even really basic ones. It forces you to go in and wrestle with the text and think about it. God in there are a number of reasons for this, but one of them is that God is honoring the minds that he put in us. And he is allowing us to struggle, to wrestle, to grow in our understanding over time and all of these kinds of things. So what you see happening is, yes, we're looking at what are the boundaries that God set for government, but they're not laid out. I mean, he's not you know, he doesn't give us a list of, you know, all right, here are 10 things that government can do near 55. They can't. He doesn't do that. Uh, instead, he he wants us to wrestle it through to deal with it in our own particular historical context and things like that. And that's really what the book is exploring is how that wrestling out on all of these issues occurred over, two thousand, well, 1,700 years.
1: Can I push back a little bit with some of that? Sure. I guess because this is – That argumentation for me has gone to the place where – and I think I want to agree with you and then I want to put some boundaries there because there's clear things in Scripture where I'm saying the government does not have. The Bible says clearly what they don't have, and I want to mark those out as clear as possible, right? Um, And so – but there's also – I find people that are using that form of argumentation to give up all authority to give the government – make them a Leviathan, Right, and so that kind of I want to place what are the what are the
3: safeguards? Yeah, what on, are the
1: safeguards on? And and I want to be able to pull from Scripture a way that like you talked about with Moses and God set up a government this way, so therefore this is how you set up a government. I also want to say He also gave a nation with laws to teach us what His laws look like, exercise in government.
2: Right. Yeah, I, I wouldn't dispute that. And one of the things we want to look at as we're doing this ourselves, we want to look at the laws of the old covenant. Now. I'm kind of a traditionalist in terms of at least the Christian world on this, uh, where I would divide up the Old Testament law into the ceremonial, civil, and moral, which I think just makes good sense. Mm -hmm. Um, The ceremonial law was completed in Christ with one caveat, which I'll get to in a second. The civil law applied to Israel as a nation. It was a national law. Since the New Covenant has gone international, that no longer directly applies with one caveat. Then you've got the moral law. Mm-hmm. Okay. The caveat is that both the civil and the ceremonial laws reflect the moral law. Right. There are principles that are embodied in the laws of Israel and even in the religious rituals of Israel that are binding. The letter is not, but the principle that the letter points to is. So, for example... The law says you have to put a parapet around the roof of your house. Right, right. We don't put parapets around the roof of our house. But why is that there? It's there as a prudential safety measure. Mm -hmm. So what that means is it's appropriate for government to regulate certain things. We have to determine exactly what those are, but at least regulate certain things to prevent accidental injury or death.
1: Yeah, and I want to. I want,
2: so,
3: as a principle, that would right. be something you right. could well, grab so, from that. So, yeah. first off, um, I think it's helpful just to point to. I mean, it's in our world, it's a massive victory just to say, just let look at that law and see how it applies. Yeah. Right. So, right. so, so yeah. first of all, like yeah. that's. I mean, we've made a lot of progress. If we can say it even has anything to teach us, right? right. Uh, then, secondarily, there's there's additional conversations to say, well, what does it, in fact, teach us? But but I think. First of all, to your question, like where, where are the safeguards it 's not just like the Bible just has these vague ideas, and who 's to say um, wisdom there, there actually is like <laughs> let 's look at that law yeah. and say what are the moral principles in in the Westminster Confession of Faith on the, the chapter on the law, um, it, it Good, says something very similar what yeah. I think uh, you just summarized, which is that the the civil laws have expired with the State of Israel. Except for the general equity, right, right thereof, yep. Yep. And, and so so I'm, I commonly refer to myself as a general equity theonomist, uh-huh. and I, I want to take the Old Testament law in its general equity and then and then apply it. Um, I think one of the places where we've run as we've kicked this around, you know, using that as actually a a, a place Common to ju- jump off yeah. is it's interesting to me that in that law in particular. Um, the punishment is actually for if somebody falls off the roof and, right. and is harmed.
0: It's not for not having one.
3: It, there's actually, as far as I can tell, not a building inspector in Israel. And and rather what happens is if there's an accident and someone falls off, then the blood sh- the blood is on the owner of the house. That's the responsibility yeah. of that person. And,
0: and, and so, so you want well, to put the parapet up there because you want to love your neighbor, right, so I, I, not, I, not because the my, government's forcing you.
3: So I, this is one place where I think there's a, a little bit of a, a interesting conversation to have, which is, does the government have the role of uh, preventing bad things from happening, or is it primarily punishing yeah. when you should have known better? In which case, when you when you K- punish the punishment actually works as a pretty good preventative measure. You know, I don't I don't want the you know I don't want the guy's blood to be on my head. Right. Um. So I'm gonna put the fence up. Um. But if you know if you if you never use if you never use your roof for partying like the Israelites did, you know, is there gonna be a building inspector that's gonna come by and fine you? Um, and uh, and and then and then one question becomes: Well, okay, if they do fine you, what do they fine you? Like, what would be? Who do in, you
0: owe restitution
3: what, to? What, what yeah. would what would if there's no victim? What, what would the justice be right. in a situation like that?
2: Right. Yeah. And one of the things that that you see as you look at the development of Christian tradition is they they really dislike arbitrary laws. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And you know, so that, that that that's that's an important point, but I actually, I I would want to suggest that it's a good idea to actually go past scripture and look at history. Okay, yeah. You know, so, for example, one of the, the critical things that happens that I would argue is the thing that, as the absolute killer for absolute government, is the fact that Christianity existed for 300 years as a persecuted minority religion. Mm-hmm. Once Christianity is decriminalized, by the way, along with all other religions, it's actually right. a declaration of religious liberty. Back right. in Constantine's time, right? Right. Yeah. Once it's decriminalized, what that did is it set a precedent that says that the church exists independently of the state. Right. It can exist without state support or anything else. And what that does is it cracks the state's monopoly on all of life. And authority, and authority. Right, Yeah. and so once that happens, it creates the possibility that, well, the state isn't over the church. What else might the state not be over? (laughs) Right. Right. And so you start developing the entire development of civil society, these ideas of mediating institutions that come between the state and the individual. All of that is a consequence of the fact that the church was persecuted for 300 years and then was— legalized basically right
1: the Leviathan that we have now what do, what do you see it as
2: i would say it falls into two broad categories one of them is uh the philosopher kings on the supreme court yeah. um and mm-hmm. the other is the it's sometimes called the administrative state i prefer the term the regulatory state yeah, yeah. Uh, i actually looked it up currently the as of 2019 the end of 2019 federal regulations were 72,000 pages long.
3: Oh my goodness, that's just I federal. I love
2: Deuteronomy. That's now, just federal. Yeah, that's just federal. <laughs> and the important thing is, that's down twenty five thousand pages since Trump under was Trump. elected. Yeah, it was originally that's down 90- twenty five thousand yeah. pages. It yeah. was originally over ninety seven thousand pages. Yeah. Look it up. Actually, I wow. got the reference in the book. Wow, wow. Okay. So, I do
3: like Deuteronomy better. So, <laughs> so,
2: well, well, compared to John Locke. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I've got a lot of good things to say about Locke, but Locke screwed a couple of things up royally. He wrote a constitution for the Carolina colonies that's much longer than the Constitution of the United States uh. because he believed that if you set the proper Boundaries in place you could prevent or at least make much more difficult people to rule corruptly yeah but it doesn't work that way to, moral, yeah. to
0: moral people yeah. you know one of the things uh, you got me thinking about is you know in first uh, Samuel chapter 8 when Israel asked for a king like other nations and when when you the the, the blessing of recognizing that God is overall and when you ask for a king or you you want to give political structure and authority to the civil government is that if you do that without God, then that government is just going to keep grasping at more power and raw power. If there's no God above, then the natural human tendency is just to become more powerful. There's, there's nothing restraining you. Why not? But if, if you believe in that Jesus is Lord overall, then all of a sudden that puts all governmental structures, um, uh, horizontally in a horizontal relationship with one another and it drastically changes um you know the opportunity to oppress a people through that structure yes yeah, so I, I think that's absolutely right you know what most people miss is
2: the fundamental christian confession which is Jesus is lord yeah, that's right. is inescapably political
3: right
1: yeah. The two that you named earlier when we were talking about what um, Leviathan was, you said Supreme Court and federal regulations, those two things, yeah, right? Or more generally, the regulatory state. Regulatory, regulatory state. state. Okay. Yeah. So with those, how do we slay those two things right now from your perspective? Yeah.
2: Well, I think we've actually got a hopeful start with a shifting of the balance of the Supreme Court toward originalists. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. That, I think, is a hopeful start on that front. Um, what worries me about it, though, is that uh, the left especially considers the Supreme Court a super legislature. No, so right. does the right, though. Yeah, and, and but it, we've also got some of that on the right. Yeah. And as long as that is in place, we're going to have philosopher kings.
7: Yeah.
2: Okay. But um, yeah. the the regulatory state, I think the important thing to do here is we have to – Remind the legislature that it's their job to legislate, not shuffle that off to the, to uh, the executive uh, bureaucracy to create the regulations to implement their laws. But they, they have
0: been. That's why they have 72,000
2: laws. Well, no, that's not coming from the legislature. That's not coming from Congress. That's
0: coming from the bureaucracies. That's
2: coming from the actually the executive branch. They're not (laughs) supposed to legislate. It's the departments (laughs) in the executive branch that write the regulations Mm -hmm. to implement the laws. And that's how you get this incredibly voluminous thing that touches every area of life. So
1: should we be using – because right now what's happened is that the left has done this and they've educated the right on how you take power. And so the right now is saying we got to figure out how to get to the Supreme Court, too, so that if they get there first, should we say so? What should we do knowing that that's a race to the Supreme Court to figure out how to control that so that we can get our way? How do we function knowing that if they get to the Supreme Court first, we're kind of screwed?
2: Yeah, that is a question of political tactics that I don't have a good answer to, to be honest with you. But what I need the book
1: then? Come on, brother.
2: Well, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So, so what the book does, I think, or what I hope the book is doing, is explaining where we came from and explaining the danger in front of us, Mm. because there is a very great danger. You know, the 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 Christian tradition functionally destroyed Leviathan. It created mm. a situation. That's right. Actually, the culmination of Christian political theology is the U.S. Constitution. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Now, you know, people argue about whether we're a Christian nation or not. I, it, in origin, probably not. I, I'm not going to go there. What is clear is that it was a lot of profound Christian political thinking that created the system. Yeah. Whether or not it's explicitly Christian is irrelevant. Mm. It is fundamentally. A com- the culmination of Christian political philosophy. The problem is just a little bit after the Constitution you get the French Revolution. Right, And the yeah, French Revolution that. changes the entire way the world looks at politics. Right. Everything right. since then has been really coming more out of the French revolutionary tradition than amount- than out of the Christian political theology tradition. Mm-hmm. And the problem is... Our government has gone in that direction too. It started in the early 1900s with the progressives. We were a little late to the party. But we, we, we started there with the progressives and we've we moved on and on and on to create this kind of technocratic, bureaucratic state that is literally trying to run everybody's lives on every level. And that is ultimately Leviathan. Mm-hmm. It's a soft it, It's a, a soft totalitarianism.
1: Which yeah. is why we see kind of the, the havoc in the streets right now with critical race theory, all right. the uh, – Uh, Critical race theory and the racial struggle that we see, all that stuff is coming from a French mindset of thinking since the revolution. I feel like with the whole COVID-19 and and what we see right now with Black Lives Matter, critical race theory, I find that I have not been able to make any headway with facts as it relates to COVID-19 and mask and the mandates to people on the other side who are friends, even people who I consider Christians. But I'm also finding that I'm not making much headway with anybody who is supportive or in, in, uh, sees the world through the way the the lens of black lives matter either. Well, how do we, I'm trying to, you know, I I, <laughs> I
10: hate to say this,
2: but that's an example of whiteness. <laughs>
1: Wait, I'm an example of white. Th- <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Okay. No. Whoa, no, whoa. No, no. No. Go, go, go. that out. I, 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 I don't know how to feel about that. I'm okay. sanitize my you're hands. so white, man.
2: <laughs> you, you know, look, look Go to. It, it's now. I think you're gonna have to find it on archives. But the Smithsonian had an exhibit yes. talking oh, about whiteness. Oh, we saw whiteness. that. Yeah. If you look at the characteristics of whiteness, yeah, that's right. One of the things that they listed is objectivity. The insistence on objectivity, and what you're you're doing is you're insisting on facts and objectivity, Mm. and saying that that trumps my emotional reaction or my cultural experience or fill in the blank. Right. Mm -hmm. So as a result, you are promoting whiteness. What you just
10: said (laughs) is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. I award you no (laughs) points, and may God have mercy on your (laughs) soul.
7: (laughs) <laughs> okay. But
10: but
2: yeah, seriously, yeah, you're right. what, what you're dealing with is is this entire critical theory grab bag of things that are specifically designed to undermine any way that you can challenge or criticize anything that they're about. Right. You want to you want to cite statistics? That's white supremacy,
1: right? Because
2: my experience. Uh, Vodi Bauckham calls this uh, agnosticism. Yep. Right. My mm-hmm. experience trumps any facts right. – pardon the expression, trumps any <laughs> facts <Didn't bother> me. <laughs> that, that, that you might bring into the discussion. Yeah, right. you know, If you're talking about affirmative action, did you know that an insistence on qualifications and things like that right. is an expression of whiteness? Yeah. Right. So if you say, I want to give the job to the best qualified person, that's racist. OK, all of these kinds of things, it, it, it's the critical theory game that's coming in that is undermining all of the kinds of argumentation, all the kinds of rational discussion we would hope
3: to have. Um, so, Glenn, when uh, it seems like so you've got this radical relativism, which yeah. is what you're talking about. Truth is, is culturally constructed um, mm-hmm. and all of this. But then how is it that all of a sudden they get to flip, though, and say, um, and so we're right and you're wrong. I mean, why, why, why do they not leave me in my heteronormative, white, patriarchal um, ethnicity? Why do they, you know, why, why are they, do they have the right, why can't they live, leave me in my indigenous ways?
2: Because there are, well, because fundamentally they are afraid that you win, that you get cultural power. They've been after cultural power. This is, a, this is the long game they've been playing. Right. Um, you can go back to uh, the 60s, and you see they're very deliberately right. targeting three areas, right. media, mm. education, and politics. Mm, right. They control those three areas. They control the next generations. Mm. And by the way, if all else fails, we always have riots. Right. Oh. Right. Oh. Oh. right. So,
3: so, so what do we do?
2: I think that the, the long-run answer, and we've got to be thinking long game here, right. we're not going to turn anything around quickly. But Cult- we're Christians. We can do that. Yeah, cultures don't turn on a dime. Right. But what you see happening, Well, th- consider the early church. You had 120 people at the day of Pentecost right. starting off. Right. It took them 300 years, but they transformed the Roman Empire. Right. Mm-hmm. And not only the Roman Empire— there were more Christians outside of the boundaries of the Roman Empire than inside it for the first thousand years of church history. Wow. They were all over. Right. Okay. So what did they do? How did they do it? What they did is they made their case. You have the apologists. They're making arguments for the faith. They're criticizing the alternatives that are out there. They're attacking paganism. They're doing all of those kinds of things but you also have common people out there who are going and feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, tending the sick, even at great personal risk. Yeah. Yeah. You've yeah. got them occasionally engaging in, in civil disobedience. Augustine talks about a group of people who when a slave ship ran aground, a group of Christians broke onto the slave ship and set all the slaves free.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. How would that happen? You know, <laughs> um
2: they you know, they they're doing those kinds of things. And the way I describe it in Why You Think the Way You Do is they lived lives of extravagant faithfulness. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if we do the same thing, Amen. we are going to be roundly hated by the world. The early church was. right, But that is the only way I know of that we have the potential to change culture. This, you know- is,
0: this is why the church is so distracted and losing the game. You know, we often think that actually, if we just had Christians running state government, you know, if we had a Christian governor, a Christian lieutenant governor, we just had, you know, um, we would still be losing, right? right. Um, if now, if we had the culture, and we didn't have the government, we are winning, right? That's exactly, you know, and the government would follow, and the government would follow, and 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 you would you you know um, imagine there's two ways to end abortion. You know, you can have the governor declare that, hey, we're just going to do states' rights, we're going to end abortion in the state of Idaho, or you can convert Idaho. You don't, you don't, get, you don't get the laws or anything, and probably and watch, dis- watch abortion disappear. Probably both of those things sort of meet right, each other right. in the and, middle and somewhere. But, but, the, but the point is, is you convert the people, the gospel goes out into Idaho right. and changes hearts, even if abortion's on the books. Nobody wants to kill their babies anymore. Exactly. Yeah, now here's the problem. The church...
2: By and large, has decided that the way to have cultural influence is to become like the culture and therefore let the culture influence you rather than the other way around. That's exactly right. That's the whole point of extravagant faithfulness you've got to be willing to say to the culture uh-uh, i'm right. not going there right yet you know every time if you look at church history every time the church gets corrupt it gets corrupt because it adopts the values of the culture uh-huh. right so yeah. what are we trying to do right now in the evangelical church we're trying to adopt the that's values right. of the culture that's right we are reach, reach up. <laughs> we we are we are rendering ourselves irrelevant
1: and corrupt <sighs> right Right. So, we got to start at repentance first. Absolutely. That, we yeah. got to start there yeah. first. In worship. You and know, one of the things the is, Fight, La Feast conference. Um, and, uh, since, <laughs> since we started singing Psalms here, one of the things I've had to come to terms with, and you would think I would know this, but I'm realizing that if I'm coming to terms with this, everybody else hasn't either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But which is, right. you're not going to be able to escape the fight. Yeah. You can forget it. Yeah. You're going to have to fight, and you're not going to be able to escape persecution. Right. Just get yeah, ready for it.
3: Jesus said, if the world hated me, they're going to hate you. Yeah. I mean, you can't escape I mean, it. I, I, I like telling people, you know, people like to say, well, love your enemies. And I'm just like, so name one of your enemies. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, name that's one. Right. you have to have enemies in order to love enemies. So who,
2: who hates you? But Pastor, yeah. do you
1: know how comfortable it is not having enemies? I'm just saying. Right. You but you're how not how obeying Jesus.
2: Right? Well, let, let's add, Paul, anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus yeah, will be persecuted. It's pretty straightforward.
3: And what does that say? Right, right. Yeah. So use this moment for extravagant faithfulness. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, are you the only one in the store with no
1: mask on? That's it. Yeah. I mean, That's what, right. I mean, you know, I mean, everybody's been searching for ways to be able to share their faith and now they have the <laughs> easiest, cleanest way to be able to do it. <laughs> and and I, nobody wants to take And it. I know sometimes you, you don't have the time for it and you, you, That's right. you're just going to go
3: get your it. onions or whatever. I get it. It's fine. I'm, I'm not saying it's, there's a law about it, but I'm, I, there's a, an opportune moment here to stand out. There's an opportune moment here to live life faithfully. Maybe it's having your business open. Maybe it's just doing your work faithfully and, and producing stuff um, when all the rest of the people in your industry are shut down, closed down 50%, 25% because they're afraid, because they're scared, whatever. Um, but you can go home. You can love your wife. You can love your kids. Uh, you can uh, You can be sending your kids to a Christian school. You can be doing extravagant faithfulness right now, right where you are, and you can be making a huge difference. And it's not hard. It's only it's only been like 250 years since the founding of this country. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, just a little bit longer, and you're at 300 years. And that's the same time it was. You know, that's basically the same time from you know the Ascension and Pentecost uh, to
0: to Constantine to the,
3: to the Christianization oh. yeah. of the Roman Empire. Right. Um, and maybe we're you know somewhere in the middle of that. Maybe we're at the maybe we got to start over. But there's a lot more than 120 Christians, actually, in this land right now, which means I think we got a chance. And there's a lot of momentum already. 2,000 years of momentum yeah. Yeah, is, right. is here. Right. Um, I, th- I think I think we've got uh, a lot of work to do, but I also think we have huge hope. Last words. Hey, can,
2: can I just make an observation about masks? Yes. yes. If I don't wear a mask, it's because I hate my neighbor and I want them to die. I know. It's good to know. <laughs> okay. Now, why is it that rallies like a black lives matter rally don't have to wear masks. Isn't that racist? Aren't you saying you want all the people at that rally to get sick and die? Uh, that's such a white thing to say.
7: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There we go. Being white once again. This show.
1: You got it. S- Slay Leviathan. Where can we find this at doc? Uh, can I Get impressed. Ooh, here we go. Yeah. Limited government and resistance in the Christian tradition. Doctor Glenn Sunshine. Man, I appreciate you, brother. Thank yeah. you for coming. Loaded. Yeah. Yeah, thanks thanks for, having for me. Thanks, thanks for being, being Thank on. You yeah. for being here too. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them. Until next week. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. And don't vote. Jo- I'm sorry. Did I say that? I
0: said, We're allowed to. Don't. don't <laughs> We're allowed say, to. Don't know. Don't, don't, vote, Joe don't Joe, vote for Joe Biden. Just, Joe, but I mean, but did, did you say that? I did.
10: We did not design a cookie cutter curriculum meant to chop students into appropriately shaped submissives or snowflakes for the secular zeitgeist. We designed our curriculum the way we did because we want our graduates to be equipped to stand courageously against that destructive zeitgeist and to honor their maker and how they, body, mind, and soul battle to save their communities and the entire Western world from our current diseased insanity. New St. Andrews College is not in the business of rubber-stamping graduates for this particular job market or that particular career. We aren't happy unless our graduates are equipped to tackle any constructive cultural task anywhere, from courtrooms to hospitals to job sites to movie sets to the highest-risk job in the most important setting of all, the raising and training of the next generation of immortal souls around dining room tables and in pews. The world may have gone mad, but it's not the first time. It has been saved before and by particular people, many of whom shared a very particular type of education. Augustine, Calvin, Jefferson, Churchill, and many lesser known heroes in times of madness all had one type of education, one type of training in common. And it's the same kind of rigorous education we currently pursue surrounded by the rolling wheat fields of Idaho. By God's grace, our civilization will be saved, or rebuilt, from the smoking ruins. The men and women capable of such a task, capable of fearless joy and fiery laughter, all while undertaking such hard cultural labor, those are the kind of graduates we want, the kind we expect. They are why we exist, and why we teach what we teach. So you might call it a major in world building, or culture shaping, or a major in Saving Civilization. We call it Classical Christian Liberal Arts. New St. Andrews College, Saving Civilization since
4: 1994.